Hello everybody, my name is Travis, and welcome to LaRon's Rebuttal. Let's get it. Hello once again, and thank you to everybody out there that has taken the time out of their very busy schedule to be here with us tonight. You are greatly appreciated. The subject tonight is called Money and the Power. Money and the Power relates to me growing up and my experiences in the mid to late 80s. In the mid to late 80s, I was in junior high, and it was a very critical time for me because mentally I was trying to prepare myself to go to high school and do a lot of the things that I always dreamed about doing. But growing up in the hood, you have so many distractions going on. It's so easy to get off track. It's so easy to be led astray. And one of the things that I grew up noticing was the guys in the neighborhood that had all the nice rides, had all the nice clothes, the women, the cars, the homes, etc. And of course, me being a, a man, I wanted and desired those things as well. But truth of the matter is, it wasn't my time for that because I was still a child. In my mind, I was a man. But my reality was, I was still a child. We had quite a few guys that fit that category of having the money, the cars, the women, the clothes, the homes. And from the mid-80s to the late-80s, those guys pretty much thrived and made their money while just hanging out in the hood and doing what they did. Most of the dealers in my neighborhood back then, they got along. Everybody had their own little turf to work. Everybody came together when need be and got whatever they needed accomplished, did. So back then, even though drugs were involved, it was more of a brotherhood, at least from what I was seeing. You didn't see a whole lot of shooting. You didn't have a whole lot of robbing going on. You didn't have these battles for territory like we see every day. You didn't have all this killing like we see on a daily basis. It was totally different back then in the mid to late 80s. In every neighborhood, you're going to have dealers, but you always have certain ones or that certain one that stands out, that certain one that everybody knows is at the top of the game, that certain one that we know called the shots. And just like any other neighborhood, we had that as well, where I grew up at. It came a point in time when a lot of weird stuff started going on. At this time, I had made it to high school. I was in the 10th grade, so it had to be around maybe 1983, 84 time frame. But what started happening was those dealers that I grew up seeing, they started dying one by one. And when I say dying, I mean 
they started being murdered one by one. One died this day. Sometimes the next day it was another. Sometimes it might be two or three days that passed. But it was a very short time frame when you look at the overall picture. When the first dealer got killed all the way to when the last dealer finally died. You had a lot of rumors going around about what was taking place. Was it someone from our neighborhood? Was it someone from out of town trying to get rid of everybody so they can take over? No one really knew. You just heard a lot of whispers going on through the neighborhood. As one died after the other, more panic set in. And it got to the point where two of the most well-known dealers, they got smart and they left town. And even after those two left town, the few that was left here and that was still alive, they got killed one by one till there wasn't any of them left. But what we didn't realize was the majority of the dealers were gone. The majority of the dealers were dead. Pretty much the two that left were the only ones still living, so we thought. But there was another one that had not really been out on the streets had not really been seen for a while, even prior to all of these killings taking place. And this particular guy, one of two of his brothers got killed during this time. And one of the craziest things that took place dealing with the murder of this particular drug dealer, I'll call him Will. One of the craziest things that took place with the murder of Will was after Will was killed, they had his funeral, and for whatever reason, his family wanted to really dress him up, but not just clothing-wise, but they dressed him up in all of his jewelry because Will was known for wearing jewelry. Will was known for the finer things in life, but Will also was known for being a stand-up guy, a guy that you can come to with any problem that you have. And nine times out of 10, Will will help you work that problem out. He had just that kind of credibility on the street. But after Will died and they dressed him up in all this jewelry from head to toe, they buried Will that day. There was a lot of people at the funeral because Will was a pretty big dope guy. He knew a lot of people, a lot of people liked Will. So it wasn't surprising that he had a big turnout to his funeral. Well, these people at the funeral, what they're seeing, they're seeing a lot of jewelry around Will's neck, a lot of jewelry on Will's wrist. I mean, a lot. I mean, looking like Mr. T type of jewelry. Yes, it was just that much jewelry on Will. I never understand why is that necessary for someone who is now deceased. What is it supposed to do for them now that they're no longer living and at some point in time their body is going to turn ashes to ashes dust to dust i don't know i guess it was for looks for bragging rights i really don't know but after they buried will that day unfortunately a lot of the times when people are buried the hole is dug prior they're lowered into that hole doing their home going process at the burial site but a lot of the times they're not actually covered up right then. They might not cover them up until the next morning. 
they might not cover them up until that night. But one thing about the hole being filled in with the dirt is that the dirt is still soft because it's fresh and it's just been added to that hole. So all the dirt is loose because you haven't had any rain. You haven't had any time go by so the dirt can settle in and become strong. So what happened to Will the same night of his burial? Someone, some people, whomever, they came out to the burial site and they dug Will up. They pulled his coffin out of the ground. They opened it and stole all the jewelry off of him. Stole all of Will's jewelry off of him, off his neck, off his wrist. They took everything that he had on him and they left the body laying out there on the lawn. No respect for the dead, no conscience, no respect for his family, no respect for his kids. A strictly evil mind to even think of a plot like that and actually go through with it. That's what happened to Will. But the story doesn't end there. One of the few survivors that came back, I guess to run the businesses they had, and I guess to be around their family. Well, they owned a laundromat a block away from their home. And they were in there one particular night tending to their business, doing what they needed to do to keep the business running, keep the business open. And this particular person I'm speaking of was a female. And while she was in there handling her business, it had gotten to be a little late, maybe 10, 10.30 at night. So things were kind of quiet. Things had slowed down a lot. So there wasn't a whole lot of movement going on. It was, there were some, but there wasn't a whole lot of movement going on. And what happened next was a guy rode up on a bicycle, parked it outside the laundromat door, walked in, walked up to the lady that owned the business and was also a dope dealer in the neighborhood. And he shot her in the head. She fell to the ground. He stood over her and shot her again. He killed her right there on the spot. He didn't care who saw him. He didn't care who may have been a witness. He absolutely was heartless. And after killing her, he politely turned around, walked out the door, got back on his bicycle, and he rode off. As simple as that. She was dead on the ground inside of her business. So while the neighborhood was in shock and still reeling from all the prior murders to her murder, there was a lot of confusion going on. But yet, this one particular dealer that had been laying low prior to all the murders starting, this one was left. In the community that I grew up in, during the time that I was growing up, we had people that actually cared about the community. We had people that actually corrected people when they were out of line. And there was this one well-known guy in our community, and I'll call him Greg. And Mr. Greg had been a business leader in my community at this time for well over 40 years. He had his own community store and he had several properties, several real estate properties that he owned in my neighborhood. He was a well-respected guy of the community. And he was the kind of guy that if you came and started at trying to hang out outside of his store, he would come out there and let you know that he's not having that and you need to leave. And if you chose not to leave, he would swiftly call the police 
and have them come there and remove you for laudering. That's the kind of guy he was, a very stand-up kind of guy, and wanted to keep a clean image in our community. So he fought to keep things in order in our community. Of course, you always have opposing forces that's going to always be good and bad, day and night, and so forth going on. But he continuously fought against that. And those people that were involved in the drug trade, obviously they didn't like him, especially the ones that tried to do business in the area of his business. There was one occasion when he was driving along the highway and someone opened fire on him in his vehicle. Fortunately, they didn't shoot him because prior to that happening, he had bulletproof windows put in his vehicle and he had reinforced plated steel placed in the doors so that's what saved him at that particular time but still yet he did not let that deter him he did not let that change what he stood for a lot of people deal with adversity and few can see it through few can keep their eye on the prize many give up many turn around many back off but he wasn't that type of person he stood firm he stood tall. He was a massive presence in our community. He worked in his store daily. He dealt with the community daily. If you needed help, if you needed a hand, if you were short on buying something out of his store, he took care of that. He had a wife that didn't play, though. She was totally opposite. May she rest in peace as well. But what happened with Mr. Jim was it was a typical day at his store, and he was there working like he typically does. And it started to get late, and it was about time to close the store down. And so he gathered the trash out of the store, and he came outside. He came out the door to walk to the right side of the building where the trash can was so he could dump the trash. Now, keep in mind, people have tried to kill him before, so he always kept his gun on him. But it's one thing to have a gun, but it's another thing to have access to that gun. Because if somebody else gets the draw on you first, you having that gun really isn't doing you any good at that particular time. So Mr. Jim, he came out, had his gun and his holster on his side like he normally does. He brought the trash out and he put it in the trash can that was out there. Not noticing that there was a guy at the telephone booth, there was a guy standing in the parking lot of his business, and there was a guy to the left of the building standing out in front of the building. And what happened next, after he dropped the trash bag into the can, it rocked the foundation of our community. And we still feel the effects of it right now to this day. Upon dropping the trash bag into the trash can, the guy that was on the telephone, that was at the phone booth, he pulled out a gun. The guy that was standing in the parking lot, he pulled out a gun. The guy that was standing to the left of the building, he pulled out a gun. So all three of them had Mr. Jim in a crossfire, and they began opening fire on Mr. Jim. He didn't stand a chance. He didn't have time to even try to pull his weapon to protect himself or to protect his business. And they shot Mr. Jim down like a dog right there in his own parking lot of his business. He died right there in the parking lot on the ground. And it was such a heartbreaking situation. It was a sad sight to see. It was something that really blindsided the whole community. We never imagined that anyone would ever do that to him. 
especially being the person that he was, especially having the status that he had in our community. But there he was, full of bullet holes, dead, lying on the ground in front of his business. But what happened with that, it triggered a whole lot of activity within law enforcement. Because keep in mind, this guy was held high. He was held at a high standard in our community. He knew a lot of people. When they buried him, the governor at that time, he came to his funeral. The funeral had police escorts. There were commissioners. There were all kind of people from all walks of life, from all levels of life there at his funeral because he was just that well-known. He was just that much respected in our community. And so, as I said, that triggered a whole lot of events in law enforcement. And once they started digging and researching and digging and researching, the trail led them back to that one particular dope dealer. I'll call him Ray. That trail led them back to Ray, the one particular dope dealer that had went underground prior to all the murders starting. What they found when the trail led back to Ray, hired those three guys to kill Mr. Jim in front of his business. But that's not all they found out from those guys. The police also found out that all those guys had been hired by this particular drug dealer to kill all the other drug dealers that had been murdered. You see, he had a plan to take over. He wanted to be Mr. Untouchable. He wanted to be the one running everything. He didn't want zero competition. And he was willing to go to the furthest extent to get rid of all of his competition. But there's a twist to the story. I told you earlier about a guy named Mr. Will. Mr. Will, the one who they buried with all the jewelry and they dug him up and stole his jewelry. Well, Mr. Will was this particular drug dealer brother. So in other words, this particular drug dealer that wanted to be the big boss, he had no limits that he wouldn't go to. There was nobody untouchable. He was not going to let no one get in his way of taking over. So he had his blood brother that he grew up with. They grew up together as kids. They played with toys together. They went to school together. They fought with each other. They had the same mother and father. They grew up in the same household. He had his brother murdered as well. Yeah, he had his brother murdered. When the smoke cleared after all the investigation, he was finally arrested and charged with multiple murders. Him as well as the guys that he hired to do all of this killing. But him himself, he was tried, convicted, supposedly to serve a life sentence. Never see the light of day. Well, unfortunately, sometimes the system doesn't work as it was designed to. And in this particular case, it was about 20 years later, this murderer was able to get his conviction overturned through some technicality. I'm not sure what exactly, but I do know that I heard about him getting out and I eventually seen him for myself. So we're talking about a guy that was linked to at least 10 murders. He was able to get it overturned about 20 years later, but still he got it overturned. And now he's a free man. So he thinks, because we all know life doesn't work like that. We don't do things to people and not get something back in return. 
Now what that may be, I don't know. I have no idea what he may be going through right now. I don't know. I don't have any idea. But one thing I do know, we all have to pay a price. One thing I do know, we all have to answer for what we've done. And to put salt in the wound, the well-known figure in the community that they gunned down in the front of his store. Him, his son, and his mother happened to be in this particular store one night. And the ringleader, the one who gave all the orders to have all the people killed, he ran across them in this store. And he had the nerve to try to speak to them and try to apologize for what had happened. You've taken these people provider away from them. You had him shot down like a dog. You had several people murdered. You took several people away from their family. And now you have the nerve to stand in front of this man's wife and his son and try to reason with them. You're definitely a heartless person. You definitely don't have a soul. But your day is coming. And it's probably coming sooner than you think. Thanks to everybody that took time out of their busy schedule to be here with me today. You're definitely appreciated. God bless. Have a good night.